Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bedrock Fishtown. Um, my name is Drew. I am one of the elders here. Uh, if you want to know just a little bit more about Bedrock, we have an information table that's right over here. Uh, that's where you're going to find stuff about our missional communities. You're going to find stuff about the events that we are getting a chance to do in, in the community. All the different things, that what it means to be a part of the life of the church of Bedrock Fishtown. Um, one of the things that we value, we talk about our values a lot, word, team, community, and service are our core values. Um, and I think one of the ones that gets thrown by the wayside a little bit is team. Um, we talk about the word often, obviously, here. We talk about community in our missional communities. Service is something that we naturally get to do together. Um, but team is something that uh, it's seen, and sometimes it's not felt quite as much. Um, it's something that can be observed, and we don't really realize, unless we draw attention to it, how many people it takes to come together to, to do something. Um, and we, we see it modeled all throughout Scripture. You know, that's why it's a core value for us, not just because it's efficient. Um, we see it modeled in the Trinity. We see it modeled in early church planning. We see it modeled in this, the disciples. We see it modeled with Jesus. Um, and so team is something that we just, man, we believe that we can run further, faster, longer together. Um, and so team is something that we hold near and dear. As we moved here and began to talk about what does it mean to plant a church, um, we had no idea what kind of team the Lord would assemble. Um, and one of the things that has been a joy for Brian and myself to discover from the beginning is all the different giftings that God has placed on the team. Um, so for example, I know nothing about audio stuff. But yet, you can hear me, <laughs> and, and I can't strum a guitar, um, and there's, there's just a lot of things that Brian and I just simply cannot do, but what we've noticed is as God has pushed us further and further along this, there's, there's real giftings that God has already kind of grown in people along the way. And so one of, the, one of the seasons that we entered into in January was we felt like, man, we want to place the word at the center of our community. I don't know that we're ready for Sunday service. But we want, to, we want to be proclaiming the word um, on Sundays together. So for us, that meant virtual services. So we did virtual services for a while. And um, it, was, it, it was a learning experience for, for a lot of us. Um, but team was put on display. So uh, it was, whether it was um, Caleb organizing everybody, whether it was um, Everett doing everything that we have to do to make, let everybody know what's going on. Um, but I wanted to draw attention specifically to Sam Savage. Sam, would you come up here for a second? Can you give Sam a round of applause? So I, um, again, team is one of those things that you may not know. Uh, you just may not know all that's happening behind the scenes. So uh, while we got the opportunity to sit and listen to the preaching, um, we knew nothing about like actually putting a video together. Um, and it's something that now that I have gone through this season takes a lot more work than I realized. Um, and so every Sunday, Sam was there and she was just pumping out videos and constantly working on a website, pumping out videos, doing, putting in a crazy amount of hours that I, would, I, would, I just wouldn't feel comfortable asking someone to do for us. But she was excited and ready to do it. So we have a little gift and something to say thank you. We're grateful for you, Sam. Yeah, thank you. So if you get a chance, um, tell Sam thank you. There was a lot that she did. Um, but let me pray for us this morning. We're going to jump into the word, excited to be worshiping together. Um, Father, we're grateful. Uh, we're grateful this morning for your word. Um, grateful for team. 
It's, it's something that, um, or that you have put on display that we are called to not only live in community with one another and communion and fellowship with you, um, Lord, you have placed specific giftings in our lives that are meant to be used for your glory. Lord, I'm excited about the way that you've used Sam. I'm excited about the way that you've used um, other people in the body. Lord, I'm excited about what you're going to do in the future, Lord, that there are specific giftings that are here that we're honestly not even aware of yet, that they will reveal themselves, Lord, and will be used for your glory. And, And that's exciting to be a part of that. So, Lord, we give you all the praise for that. Lord, I pray that this morning... um, Lord, that your voice would be heard, that your word would be put on display, and that your spirit, um, Lord, that it would, it would speak directly to our hearts. Lord, and as we see in Acts, what, we, what they say is that the people were cut to the heart. Lord, that's what we desire. Lord, I know that at times it's not always, um, it's just not comfortable um, to, to listen to truth, especially when we are constantly wandering at times back to the world, Lord, but you bring us back faithfully through your word and through your spirit. So Lord, I pray that you would cut us again today, that your word would cut and we would, or that you would heal whatever needs to be healed this morning. Um, Father, grateful for a chance to worship you. In your name, amen. 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 Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? Good. Good. It's gotten warmer outside. A lot. Feels sticky. Um, I am Drew. I'm one of the elders here, part of a team, uh, one of the pastors. So Brian Taylor is the other pastor here. Um, Praying for their family. They're feeling sick this week. So praying for them. They're getting better. Um, But yeah, an honor to bring the word this morning. Just some housekeeping stuff. Realize we haven't said this yet. The restrooms are through that door, and there's a labyrinth beyond that door that no, it is not for the faint of heart. So, yes, there's signs. If you need help, just let us know, but there's, they're back there. Just keep going. Trust me. Um, we are going to be continuing in our power formation movement series out of the book of Acts. So we started this a couple months ago, and we witnessed this, right? We witnessed power. Um, and what we mean by that is that Jesus promises the arrival of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit arrive on Pentecost, and, and something changes. Something changes in the believers. Something changes in, in the way that they act. It changes in the way that they speak. So we see this power begin to be displayed. Um, what we're witnessing now is what does that power look like when it's in a community? And what does that power look like over a long period of time? The church begins to form. So the exciting part of this story is that we are connected to this. Um, so Acts chapter 4, um, we're going to be in verse 4. We're going to go through 22. So if you do not have a Bible, that's no problem. We got you. Uh, we got these Bibles, these nice blue Bibles. We have them available here if you um, want one. You can have them. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. So if you have one of these Bibles, it's on page um, 531. Um, today we are going to talk about um, spiritual boldness. Spiritual boldness. So Acts chapter 4, talk about spiritual boldness. Um, who is the boldest person that you know? Maybe the boldest person that you've ever met. <laughs> um, I'd... Man, I had to think about that question myself. I, there's, there's a couple of people. John G. Tate's one of them. Um, he's a little bit more just a loud guy. Um, Jeremy Miner is a bold. He's, he's, he's quiet, but, but he's, he's a bold dude. He makes some, he makes some, um, 
some risky, courageous decisions in his life that I would say are pretty bold. Um, what do you think? So I'm trying to think like, all right, so when we talk about boldness, what do we, what do we think about? And oftentimes it's something that helps me think through what are we actually thinking of saying when we say boldness is the way that we speak. Um, so we say different things around the idea of boldness. And one of those would be like, that's a bold choice, right? So I look at my daughter, Annabeth, right here. Um, and she has pushed the limits to how many colors you can fit in a certain outfit in one outfit. And there's often times where I look at her and be like, babe, that's a bold choice right there. You know, come down the stairs. She's got all her stuff on. She's super excited. Um, so, you, you know, we say something like that. We're just talking about someone's actions. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a bold decision. Or you could say, man, that's a bold statement. So if I were to say Fishtown Diner is the best breakfast in Fishtown, it would be considered a bold statement because I, I, I'm going to receive opposition. And even if that opposition, opposition is wrong, it's still there. But yes, there's a lot of different decent breakfast spots in Fishtown, but Fishtown Diner is the best. So I have the mic right now so I could say that and affirm it that it is the best. Um, but yes, people would say that's a bold statement. Man, that's a courageous statement. You're going out on a limb saying that. Um, something else that, we will, that we'll say is that we'll say just kind of like as a person. Man, that's a bold person. So if you look at like the business world, um, it's someone that makes some savvy decisions, courageous decisions, maybe different decisions than someone else has done, and it's, it's ended them in the place of success. You may say, man, they're a, they're a bold person. Made some really big decisions. Or you might be just talking about personality. Some people are just, wow, you know, and that's, that's a bold person. You know, it, that's just a personality thing. And so the, all these things in and of themselves are not bad things. It's kind of just like how we speak. We talk about risks. We talk about courage. We talk about boldness. And what we're going to find today is that there's something that's different in the way that we understand boldness in our culture as opposed to what we see in Acts chapter 4. So... Well, the main difference in what we see is that when we talk about whether it's your bold personality, whether it's bold decisions you've made, it's a bold statement that you've made, all of those things are centered on you, ultimately, your choices, your decisions, all that. But what changes drastically in, in Acts chapter 4 and what separates this boldness from the boldness that we talk about in our world is that this boldness is centered on Christ, so it's not just a, a moment of confidence. It's not just a changing of thinking. It's actually what happens is there's a change of heart. Like the individual changes. It transforms you and it changes how you interact with the world around you. It changes how you see things. So we see risk differently. We're going to talk about that today. When we talk about risk, reward, and fear, man, we see these things differently. If you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, something changes in you and there's a boldness that is undeniable. And so I can confidently say that we are made to be bold. That may, that may be like, that may make you uncomfortable, you know, because of what we know of what a bold, what boldness is. But I know that we are made to be bold. And the reason I know that is because the spirit that we're given is a bold one. And the word that we have, it's, it's a bold word. And what happens in the life of a believer is that when when you see someone that is following Christ and is being moved by the Spirit is that it's not so much that they are actually, it's not so much that they're rediscovering a new purpose for their life, but that boldness is actually them, they're, them rediscovering what they've always been made for. They were always made to be this way. You were always meant to boldly proclaim God. That's what we were designed to do. That boldness is going to look different sometimes than what, the way that we describe it in our world but it's what we were made for, boldness. So I hope that that's encouraging to you today. I was like, all right, 
Going to walk out of here bold. Well, the Spirit's going to do that, and I'm excited about it. Um, we're in page 531, Acts 4, starting in verse 5, going to 22. Acts 4, verse 5, going to 22. It says this. It says, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the, their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under, the, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus but seeing the men who the man who stood the man who was healed standing beside him they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded him to leave the council they conferred with one another saying what shall we do with these men for a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it but in order that it may spread no further among the people let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened him, they, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had taken place. For the man on whom the, the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray. Father, as we observe these signs, it's undeniable. Lord, that the ministry that began with Jesus, the spirit that was in Jesus that raised him from the grave is now in us, Lord, that we see it. Lord, we see it in the, your people. We see it in your scriptures. We see the proclamation. Lord, we see the healing. Lord, we see the movement beginning. And it's undeniable that, Lord, that you are continuing this movement even to this day. And so, Lord, with this spirit and the power of that spirit, Lord, I pray that you would proclaim your truth to us today. Lord, shape us. Show us your story. Lord, show us why these words were written and what you have for us today. Father, we love you. In your name, amen. All right, let's recap the scene. We got to build a bridge. So there's, there's a lot to do um, before we get to verse 5. Uh, Brian, Brian left off at this point. So 
You have Peter and John who have now entered, they're in Jerusalem, the city where Jesus was crucified and raised, raised and ascended. So everything has still not really gone past Jerusalem. We're still in Jerusalem, this ancient city. And so Peter and John, after this incredible moment where 3,000 people get saved and Peter proclaims, something happens, life. They just begin to do life together, right? We talked about communion and they how, what is it like that they had fellowship together and they did things day, day by day together. They did normal life, everyday life together. And so part of that is going to the temple. And so Peter and John going to the temple, they, they see this man. This man is a familiar man to them. They've seen him. He's 40 years old. We just found that out. And he's someone that had to be carried to the beautiful gate. So what he would do is he would go and he would ask for alms. And so he's just asking for some sort of gift. And Peter, as he's walking there, sees him and he pauses. And Brian did a great job of saying, you know, maybe you can't do everything for everyone, but you can do something for someone. And, and people that are, man, Peter's proclaiming to the masses, but he sees the one. And we see this. We see this with him right here where Peter stops and he sees him. We, we ask a lot of questions as we're like, all right, let's assess. How do we do this week? So it's worth it to ask again, how, what, is, what does service look, look like for you this week? But he, but he pauses and he looks at him and he says, look at me. He tells the man to look at him and he says, you know, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he stands up and he starts leaping. And there's this moment where they begin to, like, this causes a commotion. This is a big scene. Like, if someone, if that happened today, man, people would notice. And they've noticed this man because he's been sitting there for a long time. And now this man is standing and leaping and praising God. So they walk into the temple together. And they're standing in Solomon's portico, which is just like, all right, why does that matter? It does. It matters. The reason it matters is because of what happened in Solomon's portico before this. So before this moment, because I want you to see the entire scene, before this moment, the religious, the religious leaders looked at Jesus in Solomon's portico, um, and they asked him the same question, and, and they were the same question that um, Peter was answering here. And he says, in John 10, 38, he says, even though you do not believe me, believe my works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in him. So... Jesus is proclaiming, even if you don't believe my words, believe what you see, because Jesus is healing. And this action is taking place all over the ancient world. And now you have Peter, who just healed. And this man, what it says in the verse one of chapter four is that this man clung to Peter and John. So this guy is just wrapping his arms around Peter and John. You can almost see him wrapped around Peter's waist as Peter is now proclaiming, Jesus is who he said he was. This miracle is holding on to him. And he's saying it again, man, believe who Christ is. It's the same thing that Jesus said. And Peter continues to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And then from there, the religious leaders step into this scene and they arrest them. And this is where we're going to find our first point. First thing that I want us to see is that followers of Jesus speak the truth boldly. Followers of Jesus speak the truth boldly. So the first thing that makes this situation bold is their circumstances. So we just said everything that happened in Solomon's portico. 
I don't know, Solomon's Portico, you may be excited about it now. Go get a picture of all these columns on your wall, put a poster up, Solomon's Portico, significant things have happened there. But we go from that scene, and we now have Peter and John in a prison. And it was evening, right? So they place them in a prison so that they can bring them before the council the next morning. But do you notice who is in the council? It's Annas and Caiaphas. And those names are familiar to us. Like those are the guys that, were, that Jesus saw right before he went to the cross. And so Peter and John being pulled in for the same reason and proclaiming the authority and the power of Jesus are now sitting in this jail cell, likely thinking tomorrow it's highly likely that we get the same result that Jesus has already got. That's where we're going. They're standing, they are about to stand in the same exact position that Jesus was in. So your circumstances, and that's a tough spot to be in. And one of the things that we see, the reason that this is so bold was because their circumstances didn't shake the way, what they chose to say. They stood on truth despite the situation that they were in. And I think for us, we can relate to that. That's a difficult thing. You know, it's one thing to sit in church. It's one thing to sit next to someone and be like, hey, Jesus is great. Do you know about Jesus? Let's talk about Jesus. What, is, what has the Lord done for you this week? It's a different thing to go to work, to go in a classroom, to go in a hospital room, to go out into the business world, to go wherever it is you go into the marketplace and, and to look at someone and be like, I need, you need to know. You need to know about Jesus. Your circumstances change, and there's these pressures, there's these cultural pressures that kind of box you in, and there's this, man, I just don't want to shake things up. And so they're in a situation right now where it's much greater than just these cultural pressures. The reality is that there's a very clear opposition before them, and their circumstance looks bleak. But they spoke. So that's one of the things that we're going to see is that, man, followers of Jesus speak the truth boldly despite their circumstances. Despite the situation that you're in, God has called us to proclaim the truth. So what question did they ask him? So the next thing that we see, first thing is that, is that we speak the truth boldly. And this is actually within that. It says that we speak the truth boldly, but the message that we deliver is a bold message. So the question they ask in verse 7 is, by what power and by what name do you do this? All right, this is... Again, I want you to, I couldn't get over it this week. Like as I, um, as I was reading this, I'm like, man, this is, because the theme that jumps off the page with Acts is the Holy Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus through his disciples, right? Through his people. And so it's, it's one thing to be like, yeah, you know, some cool things happen. But what Jesus promises that we would do even greater things. And you see this movement begin and you see the ministry that began. Like it doesn't skip a beat, like it's the exact same ministry is continuing to happen because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in these believers. And so I couldn't believe all of the parallels to Jesus's ministry into this moment right here. Whether it's Solomon's portico or it's the question that they just asked, there's so many parallels that they should have seen it. I don't know why they didn't see it, but they ask him this question, by what power and by what name did you do this? So they've asked him that before. In Luke chapter 20, they, they asked him that question. By what authority do you do these things? And Jesus' answer in that moment was a story. 
And the story went like this. He said, there's a vineyard. Um, there's, there's a vineyard, and, and, and there's the owner of that vineyard, and the owner leaves, and he leaves the tenants in charge. And he sends his servants back to check on the vineyard, and his servants, three in a row, get, beat, get beaten and kicked out. And then there's, he says, you know what? I'll send my son. Surely, surely they won't, they won't treat him the same way. And what Jesus says in his story is that they actually kicked him out and they killed him. They killed his son. And then he says these words. This was Jesus' response in Luke 20, 17. And then he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's what Jesus said long before this moment. Look at Peter's response. When they ask him that question, he says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Those words were chosen. He very specifically says, you're missing it. You've asked this question to Jesus. You've had him standing in this same setting. He, you tried to crucify him. I'm telling you that power is still here. And the proclamation that the stone, the story that he told you has become true. The stone that you rejected has become the cornerstone by which the church and the ministry of Jesus, the kingdom of God will be built. That's what he's saying. He's trying to show them over and over again Jesus is who he said he was. And even in this moment, it's gracious. You know, we talk about, talk about boldness, boldness to proclaim the message. But what's interesting here is his final words to them, it's, he says, there's salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. What he's, what he's doing is offering a way of salvation. In the midst of his oppressors, in this moment where, if anything, there should be just anger, right? In this moment, he's continuing to offer the message of Christ to these religious leaders. But the evidence, the evidence for the message of Jesus, it's overwhelming. And it's, um, it's undeniable, as, as I read this passage, there's a lot of things that you could talk about in here. Persecution, absolutely. Um, proclamation, yes. Um, I think boldness was one, and specifically boldness in the way that you speak was one that you just can't get past. Um, the word say, speak, or said is used five times in chapter four alone. Specifically, the most important would be Acts chapter 4, verse 8, where it says, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them. So there's this implication that, man, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this proclamation, there's, there's, a, there's a verbal action that takes place because of who you are and the transformation that's changed in, changed in your heart. Jesus promised it. 
In Luke 21, 12 through 15, he says, but before all this, this is Jesus before this moment, Peter needed this passage. Like he needed this passage at this moment. This is what's getting fulfilled. He says, before all this, they, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand on how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. That's what we see. Again, the words of Christ just being fulfilled one word at a time. You know, this proclamation is something that it's not just naturally happened. It's something that Paul prays for often. And it's actually what describes his ministry. If you look at the very last verse, the last verse in the book of Acts, it is Acts chapter 28, verse 31. When they describe Paul's ministry in Rome, they said he was proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's it. It's like, this is what he did. This is, what, this is what we are meant to do, is to proclaim Christ. Followers of Jesus speak different. We sound different. We have a different message. You know, I think one of the things that I, I had to... Um, really face this week was whether or not I'm doing this. You know, that's the first thing that you digest. It's like, okay, so is this something that God is doing through myself, you know? And, and, and then you, you go to the people that are around you and you say, man, is this something that we can do together? Because you see Paul even asking for this, where he's like, man, pray for me. Pray that in, in, in Ephesians, he says, pray for me that I would, that I would be bold in my witness. Because he's even recognizing there's, there's, there's a temptation to shrink back. Um, and it's very real. And I think it's helpful for, that we acknowledge it. Um, I think one of the things that for me has been difficult is when I think about proclaiming Christ, um, oftentimes we live in a culture right now where, um, man, what's louder is better. Um, and one of the things that, that um, as Rosaria Butterfield says in her book, Gospel Comes with a House Key, um, is that uh, strong words in a weak relationship creates a toxic environment, you know? And it's true because I, I think we, we find that to be true a lot, is that a lot of people have strong words. And as a believer, you kind of hesitate to then step into that and enter the gospel into this, this vacuum of just strong words, you know? It's just like another, it's another opinion. But the problem is that it's truth, you know? And so the question is, man, what does it look like for us to, what does it look like for us to speak and approach the gospel and the proclamation of who Jesus is the way that Christ did it? What, is, what does it look like for us to actually, actually invest in lives, invest in the community, show that we actually, not just with our words, but are bold with our actions, like there's something, there's a relationship that we desire that's, that's different, that we don't desire just to drop truth, but also to, to see that it's heard, you know, to be there, to be there. You know, you can't control it. You can't not control how people respond. You can't. But 
We can control the way that we deliver it. And I truly believe that God has given us a bold, strong message. And he's also equipped us with a spirit that has given us the strength to deliver it in a way that is gracious and gentle the same way that he's called us to. Doesn't mean that you're not confident. It doesn't mean that you're not sure. It just means that, man, because of the relationship you have with Christ, The more time that someone spends with you, they cannot help but see what you see. They have something different. You know, like they see something. They see something with, they talk about Jesus. They talk about Jesus all the time. Why are they always talking about Jesus? Why does it always come back to to Jesus? Like, isn't there anything better than Jesus? And you're just like, no, no, there's really not. There's really not. And it begins, it begins with this, this seeing Christ, right, for yourself. So we see, so we see with Peter and John. That's why when Peter, when they say you need to stop saying, they say we cannot deny what we have seen and what we've heard. They've seen it. It would go against who I am to deny it. So I think we need to be gracious in the way that we preach, gracious in the way that we proclaim, gracious in the, but but never, ever wavering on the truth of the gospel. Timothy Keller says it this way. This was a really helpful quote for me this week. He says, when he talks about the early church, he says, they were, bold, they were both attractive and growing, yet hated and attacked. This description of the early church cuts us in two ways. If on one hand we experience no attacks or persecution for our faith, it means that we simply are being cowards. We are not taking risk in our witness. We are not being bold. On the other hand, if we experience attacks without a fruitfulness and attractiveness, if we get lots of persecution and no affirmation, it may mean that we are being persecuted for being harsh or insensitive or strident. Jesus said we, should, we would only be blessed if we were persecu- persecuted for righteousness sake. It is quite possible, indeed, it is very normal for Christians to be persecuted, not for their faith, but for their discourtesy, insensitivity, lack of warmth and respect in their dealings with others. Insensitive, harsh Christians will have persecution, but not praise. Cowardly Christians will have praise, but not persecution. Most Christians whose walk with God is weak actually get neither. But Christians who are close to Jesus will get both, as he did. That's a long quote. But for me, it's so helpful. It's like, man, so does this mean that I'm seeking persecution? Does it mean that I go stand on the corner and I just begin to, I just begin to scold everyone around me? And I'm like, sure, you'll find persecution, but that's not helpful. And not only is it not helpful, it's, I mean, that is the exact opposite of what we see with Christ. You know, but what you, what you see is this, like, man, a conviction about who Jesus is, a conviction about the bold message that we're called to proclaim, but a graciousness that is real, a desire to actually enter into relationship, a desire to be a part of this community. That's why we're here. That's why it takes time. That's why we don't just set up a stage and say, this is what it is. It takes time. But we're called to proclaim. And for most of us, that proclamation is going to happen in in the corners and in the quiet moments. Most of us, that proclamation is going to happen from one person to the other. Someone that you've known for some time that is now asking you questions. Why? 
Why in the midst of all this chaos are you firm? You've told me about Jesus for some time. Now I'm interested. I need help. Those are the moments that you get to proclaim. And don't miss the moments where you get to just speak the fact that Jesus is leading you into their life. So as followers of Jesus, we're not only equipped with a powerful message, we're, we're equipped with the power to deliver it. We're called to make every effort to bless people, not just in the message that we deliver, but in the way that we deliver it. So be a blessing. Be a blessing in your words, be a blessing in your conviction, be a blessing in the message, be a blessing in the way that you genuinely care for the people that you're delivering that message to. So the second thing that we're gonna see in this passage is that followers of Jesus take bold risks. Now, some of you are like, huh, I don't even like that point. Like the risk takers in, in here are like, I don't like that. I mean, the non-risk takers are like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. And I get that. It kind of makes you nervous already, kind of trying to sweat. You're like, I don't know. Is he going to tell me I got to take risks now? What are we doing here? This was one of the things that we see in this passage. Um, so after, after his response, um, in Acts chapter 4, verse 19, it says, whether he, they respond like this. After they say, you know what, what, we, what we've said is that you cannot proclaim the message of Jesus anymore. So that's what they say. We don't, we don't want you to talk about Christ anymore. He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Are you a risk taker by nature? Raise a hand. Anybody a risk taker in here? I got one. I got two. All right, let's do this thing. What are we doing? <laughs> Go take risks. Um, someone just asked me, are you a risk taker? I am a risk taker. Um, my wife is not. She's a rule follower. Is anybody a rule follower in here? <laughs> How do we get so many rule followers? I love it. Um, yeah, so I think... It's something, and that's just, that's, just a, that's just a personality thing. I've always been that way. I don't know if it's a middle child thing. Josephine is similar to that, where you walk her up to a pool and she'll just like jump head first. She doesn't know how to swim, you know? But she's just like, I'm going for it. You know, she is, that, that is who she is. Uh, so we got to watch her a little closer. Um, but, you know, there, there's, there's risk in life. And, and you know, what you, one of the things that you learn is that even if you don't taste risk, you're taking risk, you know. So you're always, you're always gauging these things as to, all right, what really it's the two major things that come into play is fear and reward of how scared am I to actually do this? Um, and if I do this, what's the upside? Like, what am I actually going to get? Um, and I think there's a normal level of risk that we, a window that we all feel comfortable with, right? So we're just like, all right, a normal everyday risk, you, you consider, you make bold choices about your clothes. You're like, you know what? I'm wearing the pink shirt today. And you're like, all right, risky, but I'm in. Um, or, you know, you, you choose to get some, some seafood at Fishtown Diner. Also a risk move. Risk move, very bold. Um, would not advise their breakfast. Um, but yes, risk. Like there's a certain level of risk that we have just kind of grown accustomed to in our lives. But what we see here and what he just said right there is different because what he was faced with was clear opposition. Like they just witnessed what happens when you oppose these guys, right? So death is, is eventually coming. 
Um, and for Peter and John, it does come for them. But when, when they say, you must stop speaking, Peter says, I'm going to listen to the Lord. Like, and I'm going to leave. You, you can be your own judge as to whether that's right or wrong. But I know what I've seen. I know where I stand. And I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to follow God. And man, the reason that happens, the only, like, we've talked about this and mentioned it many times. I promise we're moving to Paul soon. Peter's almost done. Not completely. But um, Peter, in his, in the ministry with Christ, I mean, yes, were there bold moments? There was not this, this type of risk. I mean, he had the opposite type of reaction to scenes like this. But here, something's changed. The spirit in him has changed. And so he begins to see the world differently. Like he begins to value Christ, to value the authority of God. There's a reverence, a fear of God that is greater than any fear of man for Peter in this moment. And that changes his response. It's almost like the scales have now been tipped. And so you're, you're constantly measuring like, okay, is it enough risk? Is it too risky? What am I doing? You ever make a big, big decision like buying a house or something like that, buying a car? You're like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know what I could do this. But when it comes to like, like, Following Jesus, you realize that you have everything that you would ever need and everything you'd ever want in Christ. And so something changes where you say risk in and of itself, not that you don't gauge things, but if God is bankrolling this, like if God is funding this, if God is calling me to this, it is riskier for me to not than to go no matter what it is. And that, man... That's a lesson you have to learn on your own. Like, that's something that just happens, you know? Um, yeah, so for Megan and I, when we, um, when we felt confident that God was calling us to this, um, and you all, a lot of you are in that boat with us, and so I, was, I couldn't stop but think about you in this, and I'm like, you know what? Do we really have so many rule followers that are here? Well done. You're taking a risk here <laughs> for the Lord. Um, but... There's, um, when, we, when we first said this, a lot of the, the one-on-one response that, that we got as far as concern was parents pulling us aside and saying, just because, you know, they, we have kids, um, and saying, you know, are you, are you concerned? I, I don't know that I could do that because of my family, is what they would say. And sometimes they would just say, are you concerned about your kids? Um, and my answer was, yeah, 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 <laughs> I love my kids. You know, yes, you're picking them up out of a place, and not just because it's Virginia and Philadelphia. Um, you're picking them up out of a place what was home for us, you know, a place that was secure. I knew where they were going to go to school. Like, I knew the Christian school they were going to go to. I knew the, the groups that we were going to run in. I knew, I, we knew exactly what our life would look like there, and it was great, and I was all in. Um, but when God called us here, there were so many question marks, But that's where Megan and I had to land, was if God has called us here, is it then not more risky for me and my children to stay where we are than it is for us to go? And the only reason, the only reason that that is worth it, the only reason that we would, that we are here is because 
Christ did a work in my heart, and Christ did a work in Megan's heart, and it did a work in our home, in our church, that we want to see continued in Philadelphia. We want to see people come to know Jesus. It's worth it. And we just trust the Lord with the rest. We don't have answers to that. You know, I don't know. I, we're, we're navigating school right now. Those questions that we wouldn't have if we would have stayed, we now have. But the risk doesn't even compare. It doesn't even compare. That God has called you to go. There's something about being a follower of Jesus that you're just willing to see the life through God's provision rather than your own strength and ability to keep and maintain some sense of control. That's kind of what we want, you know, just protect and maintain. It's, um, Oswald Chambers says this, he says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. <laughs> I think it's a simple statement, but I love it. It's, um, it's true. I, I think we see it in scripture that, That there's confidence that we can have because of, because of Christ. Hebrews 13, 6 says, Hence we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? So you have these men. You have these men that God has so clearly used that are now standing in the same position Christ was in and boldly proclaim who he is, boldly proclaim the message of Christ, do it in a way that is gracious, but doesn't even, but, but doesn't waver at all about, about the, about who Jesus is and the reason that he came, the authority that he had. And you see at the very end, even when they tried to exercise their authority over him, they, they draw it back to this, God has an authority that is greater. And I'm going to submit to him in that. And there's a result that comes from that. That's what we're called to in our life. That's what we're called to as believers, but there's something that happens as a result of that. So the third thing that we're going to see is that followers of Jesus cause bold worship in others. Followers of Jesus cause bold worship in others. The very last statement in Acts 4, 21 through 22, it says, And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. It actually says at one point that this movement continues to another 5,000 people. <laughs> so this is, the, this is what we have to reckon with. Is, this is what we see in scripture. Do you see this in your own life? Do you see this type of boldness? And one of the things that we see here is an incredible fruit. You know, I, I, know that, I, I know that we're in a season where we're, man, God's called us to be here and to become a part of this community. We're excited about, about all the different ways that we have sown seeds over the past year and a half and what that means for the future kingdom. But we need to we need to always come back and assess, like, are we being bold as believers in Fishtown? Like, as, as we go to River Wards, as you go to wherever you go, I was going to say a grocery store, but that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a hot topic. Um, 
as, as you go to, you know, go to the park, as, as, you, as people come into our space, as whatever, whatever we're doing, is there, is there a boldness in the way that we do it, in the way that we speak? And when we look at the risks that we're, that we're willing to take every single day, so we look at the risks that we're willing to take, and, and most of the time it happens in relationship. Are, are we displaying that we're people that believe that there is a God that we fear and have reverence for and that we submit to that is greater than the circumstance that we're in? And do we respond like believers should respond? Confident, bold with the gospel. Because what I see here is really good fruit. There's worship that happens as a result of that, right? Like there's worship that happens within the community of believers, but there's also worship that happens outside of that community. You now have all of, like, there was such great worship that these men that had just put Jesus to death were powerless. Think about that. Like, they couldn't actually do anything other than say, can you please just, like, stop saying that, you know? <laughs> that's, the, that's the most that they could do in that moment is threaten them with, with stop. The reason that they couldn't do more was because there was such an agreement that God had moved in that moment. There was an agreement amongst the people of Jerusalem that there's something that happened here today that was bigger than any man. There was something that happened here today that was a, a move of God. And so they began to worship and praise God. And so they recognized, the leaders recognized, if we oppose them, man, we, it won't end well for us. So it's not like one person turned and was like, hey, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to follow the Lord. Like, this was unique. There was a whole community that now, on the backdrop of the cross and the backdrop of the resurrection and the backdrop of the ascension, now is worshiping the Lord. So there's three things that we learn. That we were followers of Jesus and we speak the truth boldly. We follow Jesus and we take bold risk and we follow Jesus because, and that causes bold worship in others. Um, I wanted to take a moment here uh, at the end. And this is something that we're entering into Serve Sunday. So June 16th, uh, and not, not June 16th, June 13th. June 16th is our first movie night, which is exciting. Um, yeah, and so next week, please, please do not, please come with like shorts, t-shirt, ready to go. Um, but we're entering into Serve Sunday, and I, I think one of the boldest things that we can do is display that we're followers of Christ in our action and the way that we give. Um, and so that's a part of what we do. It's just part of who we are as a church, is to pause and to do that. But one of the other things that we do, and we're going to be able to do this also the following Sunday, Ray's going to lead us in this. Um, but we pray. That's what we pray. I mean, that's what we do. We pray. And you see Paul specifically asking for boldness. And so I wanted to take a moment here at the end. Um, if we could just huddle up into groups of two or three, maybe four. Um, if you're not comfortable praying, that's totally fine. You don't, you don't have to join us. Um, but if you would, uh, I wanted to take a moment and to just reflect on this and to pray, um, to pray for boldness, to pray that, that this would not be something that we just speak about, but this would be something that would actually change in our hearts, that it would change the way that we interact with our neighbors, that this next week would be different in boldness. Um, so we'll, we'll take a moment. 
Um, you can go ahead and huddle up. Uh, our worship team will, maybe Caleb can throw something on for us. We'll take like five minutes and pray real quick. Then our worship team will close.